This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and James and Ian are with me this week to discuss the two matches since we were last with you. Uh, defeat on Boxing Day at home to Liverpool and then Sunday's excellent, excellent draw away at Manchester City. But we will start by talking about Liverpool because that was the first game. James and Ian, you were both at the game. James, I'll start with you. It, it felt a bit like one of those where we didn't really get what we deserved from it. Yeah, no, I think to be honest, we dominated for you know for large periods, um, probably in a way that we haven't done very often, uh, and, and we limited Liverpool to looking not particularly dangerous. Um, but in the end, they got one chance and took it, and, and that was really the difference between the two of us. It's it's been a bit of a trend with the home games. I think. I mean, I, I don't expect us to win at home every week, but. Liverpool was probably the fourth or fifth game that we should have got more from than we have. It seems to me that we lack a bit of a clinical edge. Ian, what did you think of the Liverpool game? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was gutting in some ways, it, it, you know. But I, it's funny actually. I I kind of came away from it feeling like, in a way, we kind of hadn't had a defeat. I still felt so positive about the way that we played through the game and you know the the overall atmosphere in the stadium. Lovely to see a full house there. And I just thought, as you, you know, as, as Jen said, I think we dominated for probably sixty percent of the game, but just didn't seem to have that that touch of class. Um, you know, our, our goals come from a, a fairly select number of areas, um, and I think you know we haven't necessarily had that ability to find a goal from from nowhere, if you will, or or even to have that you know that real clinical edge. If, if it's just not happening for the strikers, I don't know where the goals come from and, and it's in situations like that, that that really shows so yeah disappointed with the result very positive about the performance so you know I, I, I came off with a, a smile on my face um, not even hampered by the fact that I bumped into James on the steps coming out of the stand it, it just seemed to me like that the, we seemed to make the habit of being really good in the first half and then not as good after the breaking home game so I haven't quite worked out why it is yet but the concerning stat for me in the Liverpool game was that we had 16 shots and 
none were recorded on target. Okay, we hit the post and Alfield had a shot that was deflected just wide, but considering they had two poor goalkeepers as well, it it seemed like a, a bit of a waste that we didn't really test them, especially when Brad Jones seemed to be injured pretty much from the kickoff, James. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly at what point it happened, but I realised, um, I think, just before you could see uh, Mignolia getting ready, that he wasn't taking his own goal kicks anymore. So, um, And he, he didn't move at all when Danny Ings had that shot hit the post. So it did look like, obviously, he was struggling with something. Um, but I really felt, actually, when Mignolia came on, we needed to take advantage more of just how nervous he looked because um, he looked like a, an absolute bag of nerves. It was, it was a funny one. There was the there was a, there was the clip of him failing to kick the ball out when it went out for a corner. And, yeah, I'd have just been shooting on sight. That would have been my policy. And I think, to be fair, Jamie, I think we did have quite a few shots. Um, you know, a few were blocked, a few flew high and wide. Um, but it was just <laughs> it was just hitting the target that seemed to be the problem as much as anything. Um, I mean, you know, it was almost like it was it was pantomime season, which in fact it is. Um, with the when Menula came, oh on. no, it isn't. <laughs> but it, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a player given quite so much stick that wasn't wearing a blue and white Blackburn shirt um, at, at Turf Moor. Um, you know, every time the ball came to him, there was uh, huge shouts and roars, and you know, it was just wonderful. Um, real, real party time if you're pantomime time so great fun but yeah I, I think yeah the intent was there I think there was plenty of efforts but uh, just just didn't seem to be able to hit the target with anything unfortunately I, I suppose we should uh, talk about the, the goal briefly um, Sean Dyche did mention that he felt there was a foul on on Ashley Barnes um, when we were attacking and the goal was pretty much directly from that incident when they had the goal kick. I mean, obviously we've got to deal with that better, but did either of you feel it was a free kick on Barnes? I, I thought it probably was. I mean, I think he went in fairly hard. You know, I mean, the old shoulder charges that we used to see that were just waved on seemed to have disappeared out of the game, so I was surprised that it was let go. It may have been a little bit of, you know, oh, it's Barnes again, and he does have a little bit of a, a reputation for going down quite easily. Um, so that might have just kind of sealed his fate in that in that respect, but I, I thought it was a foul to be honest. I felt like he, he probably could have been a bit stronger, but I, I just think in that situation you always seem to see defenders bouncing strikers off the ball and getting away with it. It just seems to be a given, so it seems a bit odd to to pick on that. But I think match of the day picked out that quote from Dash, which was unhelpful when could have talked about how brilliant we were for the first half. The first half, by the way, I thought we were as good as we've played all season before the City game that we'll come on to later. James, what was your thoughts on the, the, the Barnes free-kick incident before that goal? Um, I think that's one that, to be honest, in years gone by you wouldn't have expected to be given, but um, maybe more recently it's something you expect to to be pulled up on, but um, I don't think you can really have too many complaints because they still have to travel a long way from where that happened to to get to the point where they score the goal. It's it's well made though, isn't it? I mean, our defensive line isn't great and I think David Jones is beating in the air quite easily in the build-up, but Coutinho's done really well to just hook it in behind and Sterling, it's, it's an excellent finish really considering he's had so little of the ball during the game and even though Shacklin King were trying desperately to get back, he's managed to squeeze it in there. It's probably a sign of 
what happens against the, the bigger teams, isn't it? That they, they get one really good opportunity and they put it away, and we had three quarters of the game maybe and didn't really create that clear opening. It's a little bit of a concern for me that. Yeah, it is a you know a little worrying that that we didn't create a lot more than we did. Um, you know, especially considering how how much possession we had at times, um, and you know the number of corners we had as well compared to them, to really not not produce more from our set pieces is disappointing. Um, you know, there's at least the one where Michael King gets his head on it, where you think he should really be getting that at least on target. Um, you know, to try and trouble the keeper. Yeah, I mean it's it's worrying, but I'm I'm not sure it's surprising given our goal scoring record this season. Um, obviously, things changed a bit at City, but you know, given we'd only scored what was it, twelve goals or something um, in the season, it, it can't come as that much of a surprise that uh, we didn't manage to, to turn our possession into uh, into a win. Yeah, there's a couple of stats as you mentioned. It was twelve goals before the Liverpool game, so it's fourteen in nineteen now, I think, which obviously is is an area of of some concern. But also, non we haven't scored more than one in any of the home games. This season, so it essentially means we have to keep a clean sheet if we're going to have a chance to win the game because we're not going to score more than once at home. And I just felt the Liverpool game, it's one of those that it got away from us a little bit in the second half. And again, I was a bit frustrated that we didn't try anything new and the substitutions were a bit late again. But on the flip side, it was excellent to see Sam Volks back in action as well. 18 minutes, I think he got. And he maybe looked to touch off the pace, but that's going to come in time, isn't it, James? And we can't expect too much from him straight away. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can't really expect him to come back and uh, and immediately make a huge impact. But um, obviously, it was just good to see him back, really. I'd agree, and you know, I think he got a great reception as you'd expect. Um, I think it's going to be interesting going forward now, isn't it, with um, Barnes, you know getting on the score sheet again about how, how Volks will fit in. I mean, it certainly gives Dash some breathing space in terms of when he's going to actually bring him back and, and give him a starting berth. Uh, there were many times when I winced when he went up for a high ball and landed on one leg and got clattered once, I think. And, you know, you just kind of just watch him after the ball's gone just to make sure he's OK. And I guess that's going to be like that for the next few matches. But, uh, yeah, really tremendous to see him back on the pitch. It, it was a bit of a surprise that he wasn't involved at, at City, but Dash did say that there was nothing untoward and that they were just being careful with him with it only being a couple of days after he'd come back. So maybe we'll see him at Newcastle. It does seem like it's going to be a very softly, softly approach to, to bringing him in. So talking about um, who's going to play Barnes or Volks is probably a conversation for the end of next month, maybe. I think it's one that we can maybe put on the back burners. For now, just generally talking about the home form, though, for me, Liverpool goes alongside the Newcastle game, the West Ham game, um, arguably even the Manchester United game as home games that we probably should have got more from than we haven't. I think that is because of this this lack of a clinical edge that I mentioned a couple of times. I think we really need to be more ruthless, and when we're on top, we have to make sure that we score a goal because. We're going through 45 minutes of play where everyone agrees we've been excellent and been on top, but not been able to score a goal. And it's it's an obvious thing to say, but if you're not going to score a goal, you're not going to win a game. James, is there, is there anything you can think of that explains why we find it hard to make the most of these performances at home? I'm not sure. It's, it's difficult, really. Um, you know, you, you look at the, the Liverpool game and 
you see we had a lot of the ball but we didn't necessarily get it into into the box in a way where we were going to get a chance to get a shot off I think sometimes we just need to shoot a little bit earlier um, you know you see sometimes we get into the box it gets a bit crowded and then next thing you know no one's actually got a chance to to actually get a shot off um, so maybe we need to be looking a little bit more to shooting from around the edge of the area Yeah I, I thought it was interesting um, and I don't know if it was a, a, a definite plan um, but it seemed to me that well, particularly unless Trippier was crossing, because you know you can almost guarantee a, a decent cross from Trippier every time. But um, Boyd and Co, you know, if they did get in crossing places, seemed to be knocking it in more low and hard. And maybe there was a, a sense, you know, they've got three big lads at the back, Liverpool, and you know we're not going to be able to compete in the air with them, which in fairness we probably weren't. But that's you know it seemed to get a lot of deflections, a lot of balls blocked, and so on. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that you know. I think we've got, you know, certainly in Ings and, and increasingly in Barnes, we've got people who know where the goal is. But I think unless you give them exactly the right service, then, you know, it, it's tough at this level uh, for them to get something off and not get blocked by, uh, you know, some uh, Premier League and, and international defenders. Well, looking ahead to January, there are some extremely big home games coming up and the opportunities there to get lots of points on the board. The, the run of form that we're on, it's. I think it's the results don't really indicate how well we've played. I think against Liverpool we were really good and we're unlucky to lose in the same against Spurs, but it is only one win in six and we are still in the bottom three. Is that a little bit of a concern at this stage? I think it has to be, doesn't it? Um, you know, other teams around us are, are starting to, to pick up points here and there. Um, I don't think anybody's... You know, you can imagine if we hadn't picked up that win and, and you know picked a couple of points here and there up that where we'd be in the league right now uh, because other teams around us are, are you know not consistently but are, are starting to pick up points. So yeah, I think we do need to turn one or two of the draws into wins. We need to you know pick up one or two points like the Liverpool game for example where you know we should have had a point really, no doubt about it. Um, to even just sustain touch with with the group around us. Yeah, it's very tight, and I think yeah, I was just looking at the league this morning. You know, one one or two wins could lift us, you know, reasonably well at the table. But if we if, we, if this run continues of just the odd point here and there, or great performances but not turning them into wins, then then that does concern me because I think there's there's enough quality around us, unfortunately, to um, to leave us a little bit adrift. Um, I think it's you know it's difficult to say from these games. You probably would have been happy with. Um, you know the result we've got out of the two. I think obviously uh, moving forward, these games you can probably look at. I think if we don't get three points there, then we definitely need to be concerned. It, it does start to put pressure on those home games, though, doesn't it? I mean, having lost at QPR already, and after, after Christmas is probably the time when you can start calling these games six pointers. And QPR, Palace, West Brom, all coming to Turf Moor in the space of three or four weeks. Is is it fair to say this might even be a make or break period? I suppose we've had a few. We seem to have had a few already this season, don't we? Um, we talked about the games coming into the Christmas period as being you know make or break to some extent because that we need to pick up some points before this tough Christmas period. Um, you know we've kind of felt that we've needed to pick up some points over Christmas just to to stay in touch. But yeah, yeah, these are I think already six pointers when you look at the table. Um, they could make a, a huge swing on where we end up. Um, you know, coming into the kind of spring and the the last probably quarter of the of the season, so yeah, I think it's you know if we if we don't pick up too many points out of these games, then 
that would certainly concern me. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously um, clear that the teams like West Brom and QPR coming to the turf are going to be the, the games that sort of make whether we stay up or not. Absolutely. I think when the, the end of the season comes, I think we'll, we'll be able to tell a lot from from what happens um, in that period. Just one final thing on the Liverpool game before we move on then. There was a minute's applause for Clark Carlisle, who was unfortunately involved in, in some sort of road accident in York a week ago. Uh, he's still in hospital in Leeds, recovering, but the latest news is that he's very poorly, but the family is hopeful that he will make a full recovery. Obviously, everyone at Non Never is um, thinking of Clark and his family at this time, and, and hopefully he will make that full recovery because he is a club legend, and it's been great to see the outpouring of of messages from throughout the football world. He has obviously played for a lot of clubs and he was chair of the PFA. I think his media profile is quite high as well with doing the commentaries and question time and countdown and all that stuff. And he's a, a much loved figure across football. So get well soon, Clark, and all the best from everyone at Non Ever. Moving on to Sunday's game then, a fantastic result for Burnley. It's, it's difficult to understate really how tremendous it is to come from 2-0 down at the Etihad but it's a ground where we've actually got quite a good record there despite City being one of our bogey clubs in recent years we've got two draws at the Etihad there can't be many two teams that have said that Ian how, how much does it say about the, the character and the belief in the group that we can go there be 2-0 down seemingly be down and out and come back and get a point out of nowhere I mean it's got to be a huge boost for them hasn't it and and says so much as you say about the the spirit within the the squad. I must admit, I was I was only listening to it on the radio. Unfortunately, I, I was up for the Liverpool game, but couldn't stay up for the City game. And um, it was you know when when we went two down, I got very nervous about uh, about what the end result might look like. You know, I've seen us on the end of a couple of hammerings at uh, at City, be it at the Etihad or elsewhere. Um, but uh, to turn it around in the way that they did and, you know, even for a while there, listening to the commentary, it sounded like they might even sneak the three points, which would have been incredible. But just, you know, getting a point out of that is uh, is a tremendous boost for them. And, you know, a couple of goals as well, which I think is, is really important for us. Um, so, you know, we're going to take a huge amount of belief into the Newcastle game, hopefully, again, roared on by a, you know, a sellout away allocation as well. So just really excellent news that uh, that we managed to do that. And, uh, yeah, takes us strongly into that, that kind of next phase, into 2015, I suppose. I think it's a sign of of how this team never feels like they are beaten. And even when they are written off, it seems to give them the the, the sort of impetus to go on and prove people wrong, I think when City are two nil up at half time and they were going for their tenth win in a row as well, I think everyone assumes that they're just gonna close that out and probably have a couple more in the second half. But for us to come back and be nineteenth in the league to do it as well, I think it's it's probably gonna go down as one of the results of the season. Not just for us, I think for the Premier League season. James, what are your thoughts on us being able to draw at City? Oh well obviously that's that's massive. That's a point that really is not expected. You could almost call it a bonus point. Um you know, I think it shows that that every team should be wary that we can get results, um, and obviously it's a big confidence boost for the team as well. The, the two City goals, though, I, I do want to mention those briefly. They're, they're quite well made goals. Um, judging off the highlights, I wasn't at the Etihad unfortunately, but they seem to be working the ball into dangerous areas, and we had plenty of men back. But 
not able to close them down. I think both finishers are a really good start. We don't want to put them down at all, particularly the, the Fernandinho on his next one strike. But we just seem to be standing off them a little bit when they got into the penalty area. Like we're a little bit scared about giving away penalties or something. It, it's been a bit of a trend recently as well. I think the Lamella goal at Spurs was a little bit similar where we've we've backed away from players instead of trying to get in the face and stopping them from doing that. Um, it, it just seems a bit, a bit unusual to me because I think that's one of the things that, that really defines us, the, the way that we do press really hard. And to to see 10 defenders in the box for the silver goal and when silver gets the ball, there's sort of five five yards away from him one way and five five yards away from him the other. He's got all the space in the world to to put the shot in. Our defenders just seemed a, a little bit scared to close City down. It was strange for me. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I think the... You know, Boyd, I think, does seem to have had one or two instances recently. I mean, you know, big respect to Boyd. I think he's he's done a doing a lot of work for us and um as I think we said on a previous podcast, is you know, it really is not the player I thought we were getting. He's a he's a different player to what we thought. But I know there've been one or two instances where he just seems to have not been able to quite get close enough, just been standing off a little bit. The David Silver one, yeah, you know, I, I get it, but he's gonna do that to much better defences than than Burnley's. Um, because, you know, he's just one of the smartest, most intelligent players around and, you know, he, he will find space in the box. But I, I agree, it's a, it's a trend, definitely. And, um, you know, it's something that I'm sure Dash and team will be working on. But, uh, yeah, particularly the silver one, I think I'll, I'll just put that down to experience more than anything else. I wonder how much of it also was down to City not playing a striker. They've obviously played the last couple of games with Milner sort of as a striker, but... Not the sort of traditional centre forward. He's almost the, the false nine that football hipsters like to go on about. But I just wonder how much that sort of uh, confused our defenders that they've not got the traditional strikers to worry about. And it's players like Silver and Nasri that are drifting into the area that they've got to be wary of instead. But can't give take credit away from from Silver, of course, it's it's an excellent piece of play to get him into the box and a, a really good finish that I think just wrong-footed Tom Heaton in the end. Um, apart from that, James, I felt the, the first half, we dealt with City reasonably well. I don't think 2-0 was that fair a reflection of the game. We'd had chances of our own. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it's probably the case that, you know, like we were just saying, the first goal, maybe Silver is given too much space. But I think for the, you know, for the second, you can see that we're well structured, and that's the way that we we typically defend all the time. And you know, if someone has a master strike, you're not really going to be able to prevent that. But I think it just it was the case again that you could see we're just really well structured. We we know what we're doing when we're defending, and we we know what we're doing when we're going forward as well. Um, but obviously, these there's the second half. I you know I don't know whether City sort of took the foot off the gas and almost didn't expect us to be able to to come back into it after taking the break but um, you know I don't think you can complain with our you know our effort for either of the goals and um, you know the way that we played I think shows that we deserve to you know to get at least a point if not more against City yeah I don't think it was effort I was, I was questioning for the City goals it's more just a little bit of hesitancy in, in those moments when the players are getting around the box I think you have to be be a bit sharper to close them down because I think 
players of that quality when they get the little opening they will punish you and yeah it's a fantastic hit from Fernandinho but he does have time to, to measure it up and then hit it but it's still a terrific goal and our response though in the second half I mean there were people on Twitter talking about taking Boyd and Marnie off because they were going to get suspended there were people saying shut up shop it's going to be damage limitation I think I was of a similar mindset, really. I, I didn't see a, a comeback coming at all. It totally took me by surprise. And, of course, it was, it was Boyd who got the touch on, on Danny in shot for the first one and people were, were saying he should have come off. So it just shows, doesn't it, sometimes what, what the armchair fans know. <laughs> and ironically as well, of course, Boyd was offside, but Ian, I suppose it's about time we had a bit of luck in a, a key moment like that. Oh, isn't it ever? And you do need that kind of look if you're going to turn a game round against the champions. So, you know, it, it, it was, you know, who cares, frankly, whether it was you know, five yards offside or, or an inch, I, I don't really care. Um, it, was, it was great and probably great for him that he's got his name on the score sheet as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, good news all around. If I remember rightly, not that long ago, City had a stinker of an offside. Uh, not given against us, and they they went on to beat us 2-1, if I remember rightly. So uh, a little bit of revenge is sweet, isn't it? It's definitely the case that what goes around comes around. So, yeah, I don't think City fans should be too too complaining about that. I think they'll probably get their fair share of decisions after um, becoming one of the elite. They're no longer the outsiders anymore, are they? Um, It might have been complacency from City's point of view, but we really built up some momentum in that second half, and... The Barnes goal, in one sense, it came out of nowhere, but I think there was also a bit of a sense that that we were building towards getting that equaliser. Ashley Barnes, I thought, was absolutely brilliant from the bits I've seen, and it's another stunning finish. He's making a habit of that, isn't he, James? He's going to have a goal of the season real all of his own if he's not careful. Yeah, well, I mean, at the moment, he's almost the only one um, getting them, but... He's, he's scored some, you know, some important goals, and to say he's, uh, you know, a player that a lot of people didn't think was good enough for the championship, he's definitely proven a few people wrong. It was his, his physicality for me was causing the problems for City. Mangala, in particular, really uncomfortable with Barnes. I don't want to say bullying him; it was more intimidating him with his bulk. And I almost wanted to compare him to players like like Boney and Lukaku, the way he was using his size and his bulk and his physique and. City just looked really uncomfortable with that, and I think we see that for the goal. He's sort of thrown himself in the air and at a player, and then it comes back to him. He's just got no hesitation to smash it in. That shows how confident he is at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he he, he just took his chance. He he saw there was an opportunity there to to hit a shot, and he he went for it. It's kind of an old-fashioned centre half's performance, wasn't it? Really, kind of physical, uh, throwing himself around, as you say, throwing himself at players as well as at the ball, and. You know, taking a lot of punishments. I think we've said on, on previous podcasts, yeah, he must be black and blue when he's finished a game um, because he, you know, he takes some punishment up there and he's definitely prepared to put his body on the line. So, you know, it's interesting. I can't remember how much they bought Mangala for, but I think it was something around close to 30 million anyway. And uh, for, for Barnes to give him such a hard time was, uh, yeah, it's a real delight to watch and, and a real vindication of a lad that, that, not so long ago, was was being loaned out to to you know low division teams and you know started out in non league, so he's taken the uh, the old fashioned 
route to, to the premiership. So, uh, so good on him. You know, I, I was one of those who wasn't sure about him and, and I'm sure I've said it on previous episodes of, of the podcast that uh, I didn't think he was really up to it in the premiership. I'm more than delighted to have been proved wrong. I'm, a, I'm with you. I think when the humble pie comes around, I'll be ready for a large slice because I, I didn't see anything in him to suggest he was going to be a Premier League player, but all credit to him. The last few weeks, he, he's getting better every single game. He's, he's, Playing better than Ings at the minute, which is incredible to say, considering the two reputations of the players at the start of the season. And they've both got four goals now. He's caught Danny Ings up, assuming Boyd's going to get the credit for his goal, which I think he will. I think the pictures on match today last night did seem to prove that he got a little nick, and it was that that took it away from Joe Hart. So I think it is Boyd's goal. And Ings is going to have to wake up a bit. I think it's six games since he scored. I think and. Barnes can't seem to stop scoring at the moment, so hopefully they'll spur each other on a little bit. And if we can get both score, both strikers scoring at the same time, that might get the wins that we've been struggling to pick up a little bit in recent weeks because we are only getting the odd goal here and there. I also want to mention Kieran Tripp here. I think we we don't talk about him often on the podcast. I think just because he's so uniformly excellent like he's always great Trippier so it seems to go without saying that he's played really well but he obviously had a point to prove going back to City where he came through the ranks and he won the FA Youth Cup as captain and he seemed to be highly rated but the timing of the of the, the oil money coming into City was obviously bad for Trippier and he, he never really got a look in and their loss has, has certainly been our gain and he was so good on Sunday, I was starting to think that England recognition might not be too far away. Is it? Is it too early to be thinking in those terms? Or is it? Is Trippier on that path? What do you think, James? I think, I think Trippier is obviously showing that he's a you know, fantastic player. And, and there was people, obviously, last year who thought that maybe if he'd been playing for a different club, he could have been in with a chance of going to the World Cup. And I think you know, he's continuing to prove that he probably would have been good enough to go. Yeah, I mean, I have one or two concerns about Trippier. I think, you know, which I haven't seen as much this season, in fairness. Um, I think there was a, a concern that uh, certainly in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, he could be done on, on pace. It seemed to take him a little bit of time to to really work out the, the winger he was up against. Um, but I think he seems to have got past that, rectified it, or he just hasn't been up against particularly Percy Wingers in the last few matches I've seen. I, I think he has, but um, I think you know, going forward, clearly, you know, if he could get the kind of time and space that he would get in international football to be able to whip in crosses uh, and some of the people he might have on the end of them, um, then I think he could be a, a huge addition. Um, and I can't think there's that much real depth at right-back um, in the England squad. So, so I think, you know, I, I suspect he's on the radar. Um, I suspect people are looking at him and, uh, you know, it may take to the end of this season, see how he goes in the second half, but I think he's on the right path for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think the right-back slot, in the summer it seems to be wide open and I think James is right, you say the players that, that went to the World Cup, you look at Trippi and you say, he's certainly no worse than the players who were going. Glenn Johnson, for me, is, is no better a footballer than Keenan Trippi and he never has been. So, I mean, Johnson's got bombed out since, and it seems to be Nat Klein's shirt. But after Klein, you're looking at players like Walker, 
Smalling and Jones filling in. I think there is an opportunity for him to maybe break into the squad by the end of the season. And with the Euros coming up as well, I don't think it's completely out of the question that Kieran Trippier could be part of that Euro 2016 squad. And there's a possibility that Ings could be going as well. Charlie Austin, Jay Rodriguez. There could end up being a clutch of former Clarets. That would be absolutely fantastic to see. Wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Austin, you've got to think, is a shoo-in now for, um, for future squads. Um, Rodriguez worries me a bit. I mean, I know I think we've probably touched on this before, but you know it's a concern that he's he's had another three months setback on his uh, on his knee. So you know I think we all hope that he comes back um, strong from from that long term injury. Um, but you know on current form, I would say actually Trippier is probably more likely in my mind to to sneak into the the Euro squad than Ings is because I think there's probably more competition up front now with people like Kane coming through Austin and, as you say, Rodriguez, if he can get himself fit again. Um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously Charlie Austin's showing that he can score goals in the Premier League. Um, and and then that would probably work on international level as well. I know he's probably not the fashionable type of uh, striker right now, but um, I think, obviously, the success he's having at QPR means that it is, it's inevitable he's going to have to be looked at. I'm just hoping that someone buys Austin sooner rather than later because I think mean, without his goals, QPR would be in serious trouble. And if he goes, I think they find it really hard to stay up because you've got to replace someone who's scoring more than half of their goals and scoring hat tricks to pull them back from being two 0 down and scoring winners seemingly every other week. It's just going to be a huge ask for them to to find someone who can have that sort of impact and looking at the Premier League, looking at teams that need strikers and just praying that Austin's the one that they decide to, to go after. Just going back to the City game, I think we should carry on talking about it for a bit because it was such a massive result for us. Um, ben Mee, I felt, did did really well, particularly after um, he struggled a little bit in the Liverpool game. Maybe it's fair to say he's, he's been a bit up and down as Ben Mee recently, but he's, he's Plugging away at that left back slot, I do feel like we we miss Stephen Ward a little bit though. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I know we talked about this. I think last time I was on, and you know, I'm I'm still to be totally convinced by me. Um, I think Ward when he when he was playing for us looked steadier, looked looked more reliable. Um, ben Burris slightly seems to get caught out sometimes on the little through ball sneaked in behind him. Um, but you know, you, you certainly can't um, knock him for aggression and, and effort and, and, and all of the above. He's strong in the air, which is a really useful thing to have at corners and so on. Uh, and you know, which is an area we're not necessarily great in. So definitely some upsides from having me in there. But um, just at the moment, I think I'd you know I'd, I'd rather Ward was fit and was uh, was filling that slot. So Michael Keane was excellent at City, I felt, as well. And there's some um, confusion, I think, over when his loan spell actually runs out. I don't know when it runs out to start with. Um, But we seem to talk about Keane a lot, but it's it's got to be business that we do when the window opens, certainly extending that loan to the end of the season. He's done so well. And considering the only other option at centre-back when Duff's been injured has been Kevin Long, it's been... A lot of pressure, I think, for him to come in and do so well. And I don't think he's looked out of place for a second, really. For I think he's 22 years old. I think we've we've struck gold, really, with Michael Keane. I really, really hope we can keep him. I think that's going to be vital. What have you made of Michael Keane, James? I think you know. I think Michael Keane's been absolutely fantastic stepping in um, since Duff's been out, and um, you know it's clear that he's going to be 
a very, very good player one day. And so hopefully we can extend his loan. I don't know when it ends either, but hopefully we can make it so that it ends at the end of the season. Um, because I think he, he could be a key player. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, you know, previously I think I kind of suggested that, you know, hopefully we've found another Gary Cahill who we got on loan when he was a bit of an unknown and I don't we'll know what's happened with him. And I can see some signs of that. I think he's 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 strong, he's smart, um, he's got a good football mind. He's got a good touch as well. Uh, I think there was one moment, I think in the Tottenham game it was, um, where, you know, he made a tackle, the ball was bouncing, he killed it and then lashed a you know, kind of a 50, 60 yard pass out to the right wing, perfectly in, in the path of the player. And you just think, wow, that's, um, yeah, that's kind of special skills. And he's really gone on to, to show what he can do. And I think he's a, he's a good counterfoil to, to shackle. They seem to have got a relationship going. They seem to be able to cover each other well. So yeah, I, I mean, absolutely fingers crossed that uh, we can hang on to him at least until the end of the season, but, but fingers crossed, uh, uh, beyond that as well. Yeah, he's certainly got something about him. And I think the Kale comparison is maybe a bit ambitious, but it's early days and he certainly seems to have plenty of talent. And I'm with you, I think. If we could buy him, I think that would be fantastic business and it'd turn out to be a bargain. And maybe missing out on Craig Dawson in the summer would prove to be a good thing in the long run. Looking ahead now, we've got two more games before our next podcast. Newcastle away in the league on on New Year's Day even, and then Spurs at home in the FA Cup. Newcastle away, um, it's a game that we haven't played very often at all. I think it's a long, long time since we've been to St James, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. I've got a ticket. I'm very excited to go up to Newcastle for New Year. I think it's going to be a cracking occasion for all the travelling fans, and it has sold out now as well which gives me a good opportunity to mention our, our new little service that we are trialling called NNN Tickets, which is Twitter only. But if you are looking for tickets for a game, particularly if it's sold out, um, if you get on the account, which is at NNN Tickets, we will be trying to match up people who've got spares with people who are after tickets. I think we've already helped three or four people in the last couple of games to get tickets, so it's working quite well at the minute, but... It needs people to, to tell to tell us when they've got spare tickets, otherwise it won't work. So, yeah, Newcastle's the next opportunity to do that. If you do have a spare ticket, please let us know and we'll be able to help you um, get rid of it, basically. I, I don't know if I've explained it very well, but, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Newcastle away, then, um, sort of overshadowed from their perspective by the, the ongoing saga with Alan Pardew. But at the minute, it looks like he's going to Crystal Palace, which has come out of nowhere, really, but... It can only be good for us, I suppose, that they're going to be so unsettled going into the game. Now, I don't think there's going to be a, a strong reaction from the players from getting rid of him because he, he seems quite popular with the players, but not with the fans up there. Ian, obviously, it's it's all a bit up in the air at the minute, but how do you think that might impact on Thursday's game? Is it Thursday? I've got no idea what day it is at the minute. <laughs> no, you've got me as well now. You've got me thinking about that. Um yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and I think typically with Newcastle, we've probably got nowhere, no idea of knowing which way it'll it'll work out. It's uh, it's like some ongoing strange sitcom up there, isn't it? There's there's strange things seem to be happening all the time. So yeah, I, I can only think that actually getting in after a manager has gone, and we're, we're going to presume that he's gone, uh, and before a new manager is appointed, um, can be good. And um, but you know we're, we're going into it full of confidence. And uh, Newcastle are up and down as ever. 
So you know, you've got to hope that we could that we could pick something up up there. They have been very up and down. Uh, it's not that long ago since they were in the bottom three and people were talking about Pardew's job potentially being on the line and then they went on a really strong run and people were then talking about them getting into Europe and since then they've been a bit more mixed. You never seem to know what you're going to get from Newcastle but it's it's difficult to to see what we're going to get from them if Pardew has gone and they've got someone temporary in charge. It's, it can go either way, can't it, James? It's so difficult to, to predict what sort of impact that's going to have. Yeah, I mean, like you said, anyway, Newcastle is such a inconsistent side. You don't know what team's going to turn up at the best of times. Um, but once the manager's gone, I'd imagine it might help the crowd since they don't really seem to be big Pardew fans even when things are going a bit better. Um, but you're just not sure how the players are going to react and, and obviously whether it's actually going to happen in the first place. That's true. We are operating in the realms of the hypothetical um, at the moment so it's difficult it's a good point about the fans though I mean a lot of, I know quite a few Newcastle fans because I went to university in the North East and a lot of them are, are so strongly anti-Pardew like even when they're winning they still hate him like they just can't see anything that he's done well so be massively relieved to be rid of him even though the God knows that Mike Ashley's going to appoint to, to replace him and from a Burnley point of view that game then We'd normally talk about squad rotation at this time of year, but as we sort of expected on last week's podcast, Dyche doesn't really do squad rotation. It was the same players at City as it was at Liverpool. Same team for five games in a row, and it, it didn't seem to have any adverse effects. We were still going strong at the end of that game, so we're we expecting it to be the same team again, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think, you know, again, I didn't see this as a game. I hear Arfield played a bit better and he, of, of the whole team, probably, you know, given the injuries that we have and so on, would be the one that I would have doubted and, and thought maybe about bringing Kitely in instead. Uh, but if he seems to be getting back to a bit of form, then I'm not sure um, why we change the team apart from, you know, just, just overall fitness and tiredness. Um, but Daesh doesn't seem to take too much account of that. So, uh, and and you know the team yet again. I mean, we saw it last season, but yet again, just seem to be as fit as uh, as can be. Um, so, you know, I think it's uh, looking like for me the the, the first uh, eleven to be unchanged. I think it's 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 a difficult one because as I mentioned, we've only won one in six, but we haven't been playing badly. So I don't think there's any need to change it up for those reasons. And Daesh has seemed quite blase about the benefits of rotation, we know he likes his settled team, so I think you're right, I think it probably will be the same again. Would there be any changes you'd be looking to make, James, or would it be same again for six in a row for you? I'd say go same again. I know previously I said that I thought we might mix up the wingers or the strikers, um, but having seen how well they managed to keep the effort up against Man City, I think you know with a few extra days rest between that game and, and this game compared to the last two, um, I'd say go with the same guys again. Following... Newcastle away is Spurs at home at the weekend but on Monday night because they've moved it which in itself is a little bit controversial supporters clubs from both teams have been a little bit upset with that one we can mention that briefly actually um, Monday night football is it's not ideal at all for supporters of either team is it and, and the reasons given don't really seem to tell true they mentioned stewarding and police issues at first and then it turned out to be more to do with just wanting a rest. But for me, with QPR at home the following weekend, would they not rather have the extra day 
rest before QPR than Spurs. It seems a bit backwards logic to me. Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, I, that would that's for me is a you know is a huge game, um, and I think the the Spurs game. You, you know, you always want to see us do well in the cup, but you know, frankly, I can take or leave it. To be honest with you, I think you know, Premiership survival is is the key thing for this season. So yeah, it seems strange. I think it feels like it's been badly handled. Um, you know, getting a, a straight story out of the club seems to have been pretty tough, and and that's a shame. You know, and there's so many good things to talk about that uh, we seem to not handle just some of these straightforward communication issues as as well as we might do. You know, I think we we talked previously about the um, the way that um, football seems to be changing, and you know, away fans are taken very little account of nowadays. And it seems to fly in the face of everything that the FA said about wanting to retain the magic of the cup as well. You know, that we've got games spread all over the weekend now and the extended weekend. Um, so you know, I don't know. It just it just doesn't sit well with me. I, I'm not terribly impressed with uh, with moving it to a Monday night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's particularly annoying for me because I was quite looking forward to going and if it had been on Sunday, which I think was the most sensible day all round, I think a lot of the other Premier League teams are playing their games on the Sunday, I'd have been able to go and Monday night makes it very difficult and I'm going to put myself out if I can be bothered to go and it just makes me not want to, <laughs> to be frank, so I might end up missing that one and watching Wimbledon Liverpool on the telly instead. Uh, coming back to squad rotation, if, if we are going to rotate at all, the Spurs Cup game is the one that you'd expect, but we have played quite strong teams in the Cup games under Dyche, haven't we, James? It's it's difficult to call what he's thinking, but it's not unlikely that we could play the same team for seven games in a row, I suppose. Although there are a few players who, who must be raring to go, and it's an opportunity to give them a, a run. Yeah, I'm not sure what we'll do, to be honest. I think um, if there's one change I'd say maybe you expect is perhaps Vokes to start and get a an attempt at 90 minutes under his belt yeah that would be good to see I think that probably depends what happens in the Newcastle game Then um, we are pretty much running out of time for this week's podcast so we'll round off with a couple of predictions as ever, Ian if we start with you then are we going to get anything at Newcastle and are we going to go through in the cup I think we might get something at Newcastle um, I think we, we might get a point up there um, you know, with all the, the turmoil that we might expect if the, if the Pardew deal goes through, and, and in some ways, even if it doesn't now, you know, because it's pretty clear that he wants to go. Um, so that you know, there's going to be some some issues going on up there, and you know, you just never know what you're going to get out of Newcastle with our confidence. So um, the cup, um, I have a funny feeling we're not going to go through, and uh, nor will I be weeping too many tears if we don't. No, I'm with you. I'll, I won't be remotely bothered if we go out of the cup. It's the league has to take priority this year and if if you were to say losing the third round in the cup and stay up, everyone would be quite happy with that. Even if you were to say lose against Spurs but then beat QPR, everyone would be quite happy with that I think as well. So yeah, I don't think anyone's too too bothered about that cup game, which is maybe why they put it on Monday night so no one has to bother going. <laughs> James predictions from you then. Newcastle's a tough one, I'd say maybe uh maybe a one one draw. Um and Spurs, I think we, I think we've got a chance. So I'd say one 0 win. Excellent stuff. That is about all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Then thanks to James and Ian for joining me. If you've got any feedback about the podcast, please do get in touch. The email address is podcast at nornenever.net. We are always after fresh voices. If you fancy coming on as a guest as well, we are very, very gentle and none of us bites. So 
there's nothing to be afraid of if you do want to come on. And also, finally, thanks as ever to our sponsors at Neville G, without whom we couldn't do the site or the podcast. So that is all we've got time for this week. It will be next year by the time um, we speak to you again. So, Happy New Year and all that jazz. Don't get too drunk. Don't fall down any stairs like I did last year on New Year's Eve. That's not advised. So, <laughs> that's it for this week. Good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.